The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you. Midweek edition at Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Elijah's got the countdown going for for vacation. Good on him. We are loaded up today. We'll talk some Nebraska football. Good stuff from Mike Dawson on the defensive line. We'll go there. Phil Steele talked to Phil last week. Gets a little more in-depth on how the West will be won or why it will not be won by Nebraska. We can chew on that. Mike Babcock is 15 minutes away. We'll talk with Mr. Football for Nebraska. Mike Babcock in about 20 minutes. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey will give us the full lowdown, the full Monty on the open. And in hour two, how about a Pipeline member? How about a Husker Hall of Famer? Uh, we'll check in on the offensive line side of the football some thoughts from uh, the good doctor, Dr. Rob Zadiska. Of course, he is Mr. Podcast with the Doc Talk podcast, him and Travis Justice. Been a while since we talked to Rob Zadiska, so Dr. Rob will be with us in an hour. Numbers to get in can join us uh, here at Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free, one 800 825 5865 around uh, the great state of Nebraska where you can hear us on our different affiliates. Can email chris at hailvarsity.com and find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, and uh, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Elijah, what do you know? What's the day been like for you? It's been good. Uh, I went to the uh, the Lincoln City Library today, um, well, one of them, I guess I should say, and uh, I had a an old library card in my wallet that I literally got when I was eight years Still old. Still have mine. So from talking two thousand seven. Still works. How about that? Went to the library like a dog has chewed off half of my library okay. card. It's, it's blue, all bent right? up. It's yeah, blue. you can still see uh, like my old handwriting from when I was seven somewhere on here. That's my ID. Eh, it's somewhere in here, but it's like you still it's all have bent your, up. You still, still have works. your fake ID? No, I never had one of those. You never really? You just grew a fake mustache and and away we went. There, there could be law enforcement officers listening. I, I will. Well, you're twenty. You've been. You're, what? You're twenty two now. Twenty two or twenty three? Right. I plead the fifth. But yeah. Look at that. Now, everybody. Card. See, I I have one of those too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. Uh, yeah. I I still have mine. I was shocked to find that fourteen years after I opened it up, it still works. They didn't ask you to you know move away from the computer, did they? Let <laughs> <laughs> me stay out of the kids sections with this mustache. <laughs> no, I I wasn't going there. Just your creepy appearance. I was saying some folks go to the library to surf the web. That's all. 
Especially if you're a, a teacher down in Florida, I read about recently. Uh, there we have it. So uh, yeah, that, that's the update. Back in the day, going to the library was great because, well, uh, before streaming, if you wanted to finish the uh, uh, Game of Thrones, you could rent DVDs. Still can, I think, from mm-hmm. the library. Yeah, and uh, I remember from my days back, late elementary school, middle school, uh, my family cut cable. Oh, um, really? So, yeah, we had a, about a weekly trip to the library to just go pick up anything and everything. We, we still had the PlayStation, so we could still like play video games and whatnot. But you guys totally went just and, uh, this bunny is, ears. Huh? I was one of the first people out there to find ESPN 360 way back when <laughs> because I was desperate. <laughs> I was absolutely – I mean, like the 2010 World Cup, they had them all streaming free on ESPN 360. Man. That was before you had to like, intern your TV provider stuff. So that carried me through some, uh, some rough years. But then we got the TV back in high school. So Wow. We cut cable first. Good for you. Um, interesting. So we'll spend plenty of time on the open with Shuey. Get there. I'm anxious to see if Rory can can make a move. Um, uh, the mullet is all over things uh, in, in Big 12 media days. As Mike Gundy today asking why Texas and Oklahoma were allowed in the Big 12 business meetings. That was pretty funny, and he was kind of jokingly, but uh, Gundy offered some advice to the new Big 12 commissioner, uh, Brett Yormack. Don't let Texas or Oklahoma continue to participate in the business meetings. Uh, I'm interested, uh, Gundy told reporters uh, shortly after things got underway at Big 12 Media Days. We go to a conference meeting, and here's Oklahoma and Texas. Why are they here? They're uh, they're not part of the family no more. So good on Gundy having having some fun with that. Uh, let's dive in and uh, some comments here from Nebraska defensive line and uh, outside uh, linebacker or edge position coach Mike Dawson. Uh, this is in reference to uh, Stefan Wynn and and what he's going to bring. But I'm I'm fascinated about a lot of different parts of this Nebraska football team. We uh, heard from Coach Whipple yesterday, and and yeah, quarterback's huge. We'll get the O-line lowdown from uh, from Rob Zadiska. We'll talk with uh, Mike Babcock about some of the offensive line as well. But defensively, I mean, there's some major questions because of some of the pieces you lost. You had a good defensive line last year. Uh, this is Mike Dawson on what Stefan Wynn will add to uh, this Nebraska defensive line. Yeah, I think that he's going to be a guy already has made an impact on the room with just his, his football knowledge and you know kind of IQ and uh, knowing and understanding not only um, you know where do I line up and how do I fit into this defense, but what's the offense trying to do to me as well? Uh, how does that help play the different blocks and understand the different schemes? Uh, he's got a great head on his shoulders um, as far as it, he's, a, he's a really a guy that uh, wants the knowledge. Uh, he wants to know what his position's doing, what are the guys next to him doing, what are the guys behind him doing, how does he fit into the scheme so I think all that and then obviously he's a, you mentioned it I mean he's a uh, physically gifted uh, big athlete uh, so uh, I think all those things put together obviously we're going to be looking for a lot out of him this uh, this fall fair you don't go get a four-year guy from Alabama and and just have him <laughs> be a coach on the sideline or 
an older guy in that room that hasn't been a part of the program. You get major snaps from Stefan Wynn, and if you look at the NFL draft projections, you've got two or three guys that are that are at Alabama right now that have that have been there a shorter amount of time, probably a season or two less than Wynn had been at Alabama that are projected to go first round, that are projected to go second round. It was crowded because Alabama does what they do, and that's they recruit over you. And Alabama's put, what did we count up? Over 30 guys since Saban's been there from the defensive line in the league. Mm -hmm. Okay, And it's as good as gold. Every three years, there's a first-round guy. And with Wynn, where was his playing time going to come? Well, it's going to come elsewhere. And it's just a monster get because of what he can bring to Nebraska. And it's... It's important to to have a guy like Wynn come in and and have a Nelson and a Robinson and a Wynn all like hit it off. Here I can learn from Wynn if I'm Nebraska players that have been here a while wanting to take that next step. And if I'm Wynn, I can't come in and act like I own the joint. And he hasn't. He's been pretty quiet with um with per reports anyway with how he's carried himself here but man i i'm excited because guy's athletic he's big he's physical six four three ten and he's a dude that can really do he's made for big 10 football he's made for the sec he's just needed to get time and it's hard to, to get time uh starting time uh, in in Alabama, and so you'll have a guy like Win that, that I'm excited about, and I'm anxious to see him and a guy like Ty Robinson one two punch this thing against uh, opposing offensive lines. And, and what's nice for Stephon Win is with the additions that Nebraska has made this season, a guy in uh, Devin Drew, a guy in O'Shawn Mathis, his pressure is not going to be to to go get after the quarterback. That's not what his job on the field is going to be, or at least what it's starting to be. If you can get pressure on the quarterback, great. It's an added bonus. His job is to come in here, and as we saw from uh, Damian Daniels last year, it's to clog up the middle, keep that center from pushing you off the ball, eat up a double team, and keep those offensive linemen off your linebackers. So his job is really helped by the fact that, A, he doesn't have to go out there rest pressure, but B, the fact that he has got good linebackers behind him, guys that are, are experienced and are uh, expected to be some of the better linebackers in the Big Ten, where all you have to do is hold your place at the line of scrimmage, eat up that double team and let the linebackers behind you do their job. And if you can do that, you're going to have a successful season at Nebraska. It's not like he's being brought in here with the weight of the defense on his shoulders. It's a very specific job that he has to do. Uh, something that's probably easier than what he was asked to do at Bama with how much Bama likes to get their, their defensive lineman after the quarterback a little bit easier. And, and he just gets to slide into that role and just say, all right, man, eat up some blocks. If you end the game with three tackles, but the uh, the linebackers are flying off the field, you've done your job. That's a win. You don't have to go out there. A win. You see what I did there? No, I, didn't, I, didn't even mean to do that. No. Then. <laughs> but it, it's a win. Well done, Daniel. You've son. done your job. <laughs> so wins big. Uh, Tight Robinson and Coach Dawson pretty sp- specific with just all that, that Robinson's been through. And, a, he's gotten a lot of reps, a lot of snaps, a lot of development this spring, but there was also the plastic bubble conversation because of how injured everybody else was. And then, oh, by the way, they all transferred out. The, the, the last man standing is Ty Robinson with Nebraska's defensive line. And uh, they kept him on a bit of a pitch count 
he's seen a lot of grow, growth. And the thing for, for Robinson right now, and we've heard Jay Moore talk about it, we've had other uh, Nebraska defensive line grades weigh in where they see the talent, they love the attitude, they really are waiting for that ceiling to be touched ability-wise because it's there. He's a good football player, and it's 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 part of that incremental process for him to go next level. It's time for him to to win some one-on-ones, different win, win some one-on-ones against Ohio State, against Michigan. Make more splash plays. Mm-hmm. Go be a disruptor, not an occasional guy. Go be the guy. And you got a taste as a starter last year where that that's a whole new world, where you're, you're the guy next to Stilly and uh, you, you go make it happen, right? Well, he... He played well, right? But but now, can you take off? Can you can you really take that next step and be a dominant player? Can you be a a game wrecker for the Nebraska defense uh, on the interior next to Win, next to Nelson, next to Tanner, next to O'Shawn? And your job: uh, stay in the gap, control the run game. Make that stuff spill outside for the rest of your defense to chase down. But can you go make some one-on-ones? Can you go make some splash plays? And I think Robinson can. And I think there's there's a lot of help around Robinson as well to do so. He just a lot of it's unproven and unknown. Aside obviously from Tanner and Nelson, you're you're waiting on uh, big uh, fifth-year seasons from them. But the the rest of the help you mentioned a Drew and a Win. Uh, and a Mathis, uh, you're hoping they can come in and kind of hit the ground running. And the the disruptor word used on Ty Robinson's great because from that spot, be a disruptor in the run game. That's what's expected of you. And really, for the entire defensive line, if you can find one game wrecker, you've improved your your defensive front by leaps and bounds. If you can find one guy that on a passing down on third and eight, we have to put two guys on this guy to keep him from getting to the quarterback on a running down. We know we got to put two offense linemen on him and they got to care more about him than getting off to the linebacker. If you can find one of those guys, even two of those guys on a defensive front, you, you have just made your life so much easier for everyone else around you. And I particularly think of those passing downs because the options there of uh, Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis, uh, Ty Robinson, even Caleb Tanner, if one of those guys can stand out as a guy that can consistently win their one-on-ones and passing downs, and you need to send, say, a running back, or you need to keep a tight end in protection, that opens so much up for what you can do defensively to, to go impact the rest of the game. I was watching the, the Nebraska versus Missouri game from 2010 mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Don't know why it came up in my YouTube suggestion. I watched it, and that was the one thing I noticed from that defensive line is there was probably two, maybe even a third guy in there where you needed to have two guys on them. And the guys that were going out and consistently winning their one-on-ones made Blaine Gabbert's life hell and it won Nebraska that football game. Well, I mean, the offense was Missouri's in a hole. And then, oh, by the way, so you lost Sue. You still had, you know, you still had Crick kicking butt and taking names. Cameron Meredith, Pierre Allen. Pierre Allen. I love Pierre Allen. An underrated defensive end. There's numerous guys in there that could go out there and consistently win their one Were you watching the the, the Rain-Missouri game down there? That was was the one in nine. This is when 2010 So 2010s where where Roy went for three bills. Went for three bills, but then upon rewatching, I went, it wasn't the offense that won this football game. It was the defense. Sure. And they got after 
uh, Missouri uh, in in uh, wicked fashion. Nash Hutmacher too, also mm-hmm. highlighted by Coach Dawson. And Nash is a guy that they talked about him uh, using some of that wrestling background to uh, strike like a cobra. And and I can just see a 6'4", 330-pound muscle just, you know, going after and striking down a cobra. That's what's been in my mind for the last 24 hours. But in all seriousness, it's about application for, for Huttmacher, for the polar bear to take all of that crazy weight room strength and turn it into functional strength on the defensive line where they aren't going to move him and he's going to be able to penetrate in and and uh, take down a ball carrier, collapse the interior of a pocket, uh, push the pocket where some of the edge guys can come around and, and clean up, knock some passes down. You know, you can talk yourself into some real big-time upside with this Nebraska front four, front three, whatever alignment they're in. Mike Babcock's on the way. Storm Chasers fans, suit up. My spidey senses are tingling. July 22nd is Marvel Night. While the ballplayers are wearing Black Panther jerseys, you too can be repping your favorite Avenger. My all-time favorite is Iron Man. Outside of the fact that he's downright awesome, his wit and sarcastic nature is similar to mine. So essentially, I... Am Iron Man. Thor will also make an appearance that night. When you say hi to him, make sure to say, Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? He loves that. Come be a superhero and watch the Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs. Get your tickets now. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Coming up, we'll check in with Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline. We'll get into some offensive line talk. We say hi to Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. We are streaming live with Babbers, as is every Wednesday, on ESPN's Facebook and ESPN's Twitter. Elijah, your dad has weighed in on Twitter uh, when we talk about uh, the original people in Lincoln cutting the cord. Uh, somehow we got into library cards and Elijah not having uh, ESPN <laughs> or cable. You guys moved into an old house, PBS, uh, Get Smart, MASH, The A-Team. Yep. Those were all classics. Babber's going to bring you in uh, MASH. I watched it with my grandfather. I still love catching MASH reruns. Were you big on MASH? Yeah, I think I like MASH. You know, I like the movie as well. Um. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, was, I heard your conversation earlier. I was going to go try to find my library card, which is older than either of yours. <laughs> it's not even plastic or anything like that. Is it paper? Paper, I think. Jeez. Um, I, I haven't tried to use it in a long 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 time but that was my go-to man my library card when i was doing graduate school over there at 56th and normal i'd sneak off and uh and and go try and do some projects Mm -hmm. uh and and then i was good and then i'd come home with a dvd or two and uh throw it on in my computer and and that was my entertainment uh, as i was uh sharing a house with some family so it was good babbers a lot to get to and and i want to get to your thoughts on the the Big Ten West race. Uh, this is in reference to Phil Steele. We had Phil on last week, so he is 
um, like a lot of us, putting a great importance on Northwestern. What's the what's that outcome going to be for Nebraska over in Ireland? And if it's a win, then uh, possibilities are open and endless in a good way for Nebraska football. You drop that, you're off on the wrong foot. The pressure continues to crank up. Uh, Mark Whipple touched on it a couple of nights ago. It's real hard to win your side of the, the league if you lose your first conference game. And as we forecast uh, the the Nebraska football season, Phil says, "Look, there's really good opportunity for Nebraska to flip to, to nine and three from three and nine. That to go plus six from one year to the next seems really hard. But uh, Nebraska, if they get some things cleaned up, could could meet somewhere in the middle and, and be at that seven eight win number. As you look at Nebraska and and see where they're at." With a lot of unknowns, what what are some of your certainties about Nebraska when when we kind of compare them to other teams in the West? Where are some some areas you think Nebraska could either have an advantage or at least not be uh, be an underdog in uh, when, when it comes to this team versus the West? That, that also uh, th- there's a lot of flaws with most of the other teams in the West division. Yeah, well, I agree. First of all, I agree. You got to win that Northwestern game. That 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 is a key thing uh, for Nebraska to do. If if Nebraska can accomplish that, then I think four of the next five games are at home, and that would be the thing that I would say that the schedule for Nebraska is fairly favorable. Um, you know, you've got the you've got those home games. You got three in a row home games when you come back from Ireland. Then you uh, have one on the road. Then you've got another home game. Uh, I think I think I got that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got a couple of road games. So that if you have some success in that first stretch, and by success I'm saying, you know, realistically, if you win the Northwestern game, and I've said this before, you got to go one game at a time. But I'm, I'm going to jump ahead there. If you win that Northwestern game. Um, and then you have the opportunity. I think you have the opportunity to be four and four and one when you go back on the road to a couple of games that, if you're four and one, you can win those games. You have an opportunity to win a, at least one of them, and it, and that really gets you the kind of momentum that you need to get to the back end of the schedule. And it, even the back end of the schedule is not overwhelming, um, but. So much depends on getting off to a good start, getting that Northwestern win, um, not starting out with a loss to Illinois like you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to you've got to win that Northwestern. So that's my big thing: is schedule is 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 really in Nebraska's favor if you can get off to that win in in Ireland. Mike, say Nebraska does go out and beat Northwestern. I think we know that if the Northwestern game is a loss, we'll know how important that Oklahoma game is because. Uh, two and two looks a lot different than three and one whenever you're going back into your normal uh, heart of conference play. Two and two and three and one are completely different. But say Nebraska is three and zero going into that Oklahoma game. Is that just a, a test to see how good you actually are this year, or does that game still carry the same importance trying to go undefeated into conference play? Well, I think no. I think it still carries the same importance because it's Oklahoma for one thing, and you know the the mindset of Husker fans. Here, here come the Sooners, and I think that it's not 
it's not an unbeatable Oklahoma team that's coming to Lincoln. I mean, I think there's an opportunity there uh, for Nebraska to win that game. I'm not, I'm not making that prediction because, again, I don't know what's going to happen against Northwestern. But let's say they win against Northwestern and then they win the next two and they go into that Oklahoma game 3-0. and um, I, I think they've got a chance. They've got a chance there because of what we saw a year ago and because of what we – the mentality – of, of the guys that are coming back. And, you know, even even though there are guys that are gone, the guys that are coming back have it in their mindset. Hey, you know, we were close last year. We can get the job done. There's that fine line. You got to believe that you can win. You got to go into these games thinking you can win. And that's the thing. If you're 3-0 and going against Oklahoma, you're believing in yourself at that point, I think. Um, and And so you have an opportunity to win that game. Now, again, if you win that game, then you got to pay attention to what Indiana is the next one. You got to pay attention. You just can't look past anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the thing because you've, you've shown last year, you showed that you could come close all the time, but made the critical mistakes when, when, uh, when you shouldn't have done that. I guess there's no good time for critical mistakes, but um, I think that there's a, there's a, possibility there uh, the potential and the other thing is that as you guys were talking and i would ask you this question um i know that nebraska lost some guys on defense in the transfer portal but do you think that the talent that nebraska has is better um the question is whether that talent can adjust to the system quickly enough to be comfortable there mike you, i think i you know what if we're if we're talking uh, apples to apples with the trade. Give me a, a four-year guy from Alabama that was good enough to to be on that third line or that second line and see time uh, on the interior. And Nebraska got that in win. Uh, Devin Drew played in uh, a defense that reminded me of the Diaco defense where just don't screw up or get beat de- deep, right? I mean, it was just a three-pass rush type setup, and Drew had quite a few hurries and not a, not an overwhelming sack number, but he was able to – he was three on five every time someone in the Big 12 dropped back the pass. And that's the guy that was only playing in his second full year as a defensive lineman. So, no, I think Nebraska, if, if we're just talking on paper here, Nebraska's upgraded with what they brought in versus what they lost, and that's not to – on my nose at the kids that left because I thought some of those guys were were good ball players or, or put the work in right. But no, I, I'm excited if I'm a Nebraska fan because you know that Tanner and and Nelson could really come into their own this year. First and foremost, mm-hmm. Ty Robinson has been putting a lot of hard hat work on. Does he explode and have uh, a type season where? all right, he could be all-conference or in that discussion for first, second, or third team. And then you sprinkle in O'Shawn, Drew, and, uh, and, and you bring in uh, Win. I think this is, uh, this is big. I think your front four, front, front three, however you want to scheme it, uh, with that linebacking core, uh, even though you lost JoJo, could be really good. Uh, that's not to, to disparage who left or who transferred out. That's not to disparage... Guys like JoJo or Ben Stilley that are really good football players. It's, I just think this year, man, it, it could be really good for Nebraska. I mean, they, they've not had a guy uh, uh, 
from a from a talent and a, a guy that's good enough to go to Bama and play, not start, mind you. They haven't had a guy like that in, in Lincoln for a long time. Yeah, and you know, you guys mentioned him, Nash Hutmacher. I mean, I, I thought that's why you're talking about Mash because it could be Mash Hutmacher if he <laughs> if he really gets uh, you know gets to his potential. He, he's still a work in progress, but I think I think and and I'm not disparaging anybody that's not here now either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I think that the talent that Nebraska has is is significant. My question is, how quickly can they meld and 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 come together? Um, because that's what you had when guys transferred out or finished mm-hmm. is you had that you had that uh, uh, melding together the the uh, I guess melding that's redundant isn't it um, playing together that kind of experience at least you're getting guys that, that have playing experience it's not young guys that have transferred in you're getting guys that have played quite a bit of football so they should have right. some sort of baseline concept of of what what they're being asked to do yeah and that's important at at this in this situation that's important you've got to have experience at the collegiate level um i think it's 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 crucial that you do and uh and yeah you've got some guys that uh, certainly have that Mike Babcock's with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. We're streaming live here, Facebook Live on ESPN Lincoln and on Twitter. We always catch up with Babbers on Wednesday. I love the Oklahoma discussion point, uh, the importance. I'm in agreement with both of you, Elijah and Mike, that, that OU game's great. I look at it two ways here as we wrap. One, it's either an enhancer off to a potentially undefeated start right, where you get Georgia Southern, where you get North Dakota, you take care of business in Ireland. So you go in unbeaten, and maybe you start out, dare I say, this is coffee, not Kool-Aid, uh, 4-0. and Or say you stub your toe, God forbid, in week zero. Maybe uh, it's a redemption game, to your point, Elijah. So you screwed up against Northwestern. Maybe you, you get a bit of a make good uh, with Oklahoma. Babbers, we will uh, run you down next week. Always fun to chat. Thank you for giving us a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Be safe. There he is, Mike Babcock with us on Hale Varsity. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. And after a couple of road matches, will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also pride night we'll see you there and now and now back to hail varsity radio great to get caught up with mike babcock be sure to check out that on twitter live and on the on-demand section espnlincoln.com and the podcast spotify itunes google play hail varsity radio uh, is where you can find us subscribe 
and uh, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly, we'll take it. We're trying to run down Mike Shuhart to Wilderness Ridge Golf, and we got to see Shuey last Saturday for the Team Jack Golf Classic. Shuey was uh, looking like a million bucks and putting like a million bucks, I'm sure. Uh, we welcome in Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, uh, what time are you getting up tomorrow uh, or later today for the Open? How are you, bud? I'm doing great. I know. It's that time, man. It's always fun to watch a major. Exciting. Are you going to open this one at St. Andrews? I know. I can't wait. I mean, 150, uh, you know, uh, get the birthday cake ready. Are you going to open up the uh, the Lazy River for me at 330 uh, so we can we can throw on the open and we can just go around <laughs> in circles with maybe a pint of, of Guinness, my friend? I got some pull, but I don't think I have that much pull. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the next question from Shuey. That's the next question. Well, all right. I want to hear from you what um, what you think of the Open this year, what uh, be- what betters are doing, what the Shuey intuition is saying when it comes to, to favorite, when it comes to challenger, and Dark Horse. Let's lay out here St. Andrews for us this weekend. Somebody I really like that is hasn't played great is George Spieth. Okay. You know, he, he likes it over there. He plays over there really well. Uh, you know, he's, he's played okay. He just hasn't won uh, like he was a few years ago. But I, I really kind of like Jordan. Uh I like Tiger a lot. Mm-hmm. How about that? No, I'd got, be all for it. I, I got a sneaky suspicion he's going to play good this week. He loves it there. That's one of his favorite golf courses he ever plays. It, it's not very hilly, so it's going to be a little easier on his body. Uh, I think he's got enough rest and prepared for it. And uh, I, I you know it's hard to say Tiger's a dark horse, but... You know, he's, I, I think he's going to play well over there. So, and then your favorites, John Rahm. Um, I think he's primed for a, a really good week. Mike Schwartz with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, you mentioned Tiger. That's just where I was going to go next. Um, so I was seeing yesterday that Tiger is a slight favorite to just make the cut after Friday. Uh, you can get good value on missing the cut, though, as well. But are you saying – Good money here. If if Shuey was making a best bet for the weekend, it's Tiger makes the cut. Oh yeah, he'll make the cut. Man, that guy's he's too good. You know, he's too comfortable. You know, and he's got too much pride. I mean, he will he will make the cut. I I think he's I think he's a contender. I really do. I just I don't know why. I just think he's it's it's probably his one tournament that he's looking forward to playing in the 100th anniversary, 150th anniversary of the event, and he loves the golf course. Um, you get great players that get into good places, you know. I don't care how much he's beat up, man, the guy can still play golf. Look what he's done in the other majors. So, and I think this is probably the most suited for him to, to perform well in. So I think he'll not only make the cut, I think he, he'll, he'll put himself in contention. Shuey, uh, a thought here on Rory. He is the betting favorite. I know Rory's performed well 
and won uh, the Open before. But uh, what has been missing from his game? And listen, he's been in contention. It's not like he's in a slump or anything. But how do you think Rory performs as the favorite? Uh, he never seems to perform very well as the favorite. And Rory's whole thing is how, you know, does he have a good putting week? You know, he'll always hit it pretty good. He's long, he's strong. He's creative, but his putter always kind of lets him down. He just doesn't seem to make enough putts. And if you look at the British Open, I mean, it it typically has kind of the lowest of the majors. It'll have one of the lowest scoring, uh, winning scores. Um, that's kind of they were talking weather-wise, how the golf course is set up, what they sound like, weather conditions are going to be. It's like the first 13 holes are, are very – Gettable, and that's kind of you have to get the course in the first 13 holes. Then you have to just kind of finish that off. So, I mean, it's, it's all about how many putts he can make. And he just never, he's not a very good putter. And mm-hmm. in major champion, you know, winners, kind of what you have to be able to do to be able to do that. So, but that doesn't mean he can't have a good putting week. So, if he happens to have a good putting week, then he'll be right there. He always is. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Should we talking the Open? When it comes to Rory's uh, inconsistency at putting, is that mental or is it more about drilling down? Do you think he's put the work in to be a better putter? I just think it's it's like free throw shooting. You know, gotcha. some guys just some guys just have good touch and feel for what it is, and other guys don't. You know, and it's not like he's a bad putter, mm-hmm. but when you are comparing him against the best in the world, he's he's not in the upper echelon of those guys. You know, he's more inconsistent. And so it's like you, you have to be an exceptional putter if you want to win golf tournaments and win majors, you know. And he's just – it's not that he hasn't put the work in. not that he hasn't put the technique in. It's just that, I mean, putting is such a feel-oriented – part of the game is that, you know, some people just have a better feel and sense of it than others. And that's a part of the game that's hard to teach. It's hard to teach somebody feel, you know, and it's like, you can put all the time in the world into it, but there's a little it factor that goes into it. You either have that it or you don't, you know, and he's, he's never been a guy that go cut the eyes out of it to win tournaments. You know, he just hits the ball better, longer, and stronger than everybody else when he wins, and he happens to have a decent putting week. You know, he doesn't like like Jordan. Man, he was when he was on a roll. Man, he was an exceptional putter. Mm-hmm. I mean, far superior than most of the other players out there. Rory's never been that way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been the opposite. He's a far superior ball striker, keeping the ball in play, hitting it long, giving himself short clubs into the green, which, which allow him to make more birdies and just put it good enough to not give a lot of shots away. You know, so it's like his putter can help him, he's got a great chance. But it, it hasn't it hasn't shown up very good in the last few years. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, uh, tell folks uh, why they can come check out. I know there's room for, for more members at Wilderness. Your outdoor education center is incredible. The uh, uh, the aquatic center is great, but uh, 
you guys were kind of enough to have me out last weekend, brother. How's, how's the week been? And about 30 seconds here, uh, touch on what, what folks can experience. It's been great. I mean, the pool just opened over the 4th of July, and it's been received amazingly, and people are uh, super impressed with what it is, better than they expected. You know, that we're redoing our deck, which is already spectacular, but uh, that's starting to open. Most of it is open now, so it's like each week we have new parts of the construction are getting finished up, so it's super exciting. I mean, it's, it's, if you haven't been out here, uh, you won't recognize the place. It has changed immensely and, and for the better. Chewy, can't wait to see you again. Thanks for the time today. You bet. Thank you. Stay safe. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Get to some of your emails here in Hour 2. Rob Zadiska, part of the Pipeline, Husker Hall of Famer, great offensive lineman. Part of that uh, title team in 1994. We'll get his take on the O-line. What to expect, what to hope for, what's the reality with uh, a lot of question marks. Good stuff on the defensive line with Mike Babcock, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. And a reminder to get uh, buckled in. Uh, Coaches make substitutions during the game to get the best player on the field, getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI costs more than you think. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. A little more inside baseball here, Elijah. With uh, Did you have a cousin from Missouri? Uh, okay, we're just going to dive into the story here because my dad decided to hop on Twitter and expose me. You got outed. <laughs> so Elijah, at one point, had a fake ID. So let's set this story up. Okay. Uh, this was after a Husker game, I believe... Let's see, I was 19, so I can't remember if this was whenever I was like only working the Saturday morning show here, if this was the year before that. I can't remember, but it was after a Husker game, coming to back to, to my dad's house. It was one of the cold games, so he had chili. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, for some reason, there was something he went to go looking for in my car. And he took that opportunity. I, I tossed him my keys. He took the opportunity to go snooping. And what does he find in my car? Uh, I have the picture somewhere. Uh, I'm just sitting inside eating my chili and get a text from my dad in the whole family group chat. And it's a picture of this ID. And it says, huh, Elijah, this guy named Elijah Herbal in Missouri sure looks a lot like you. Good thing he's 21. (laughs) And uh, it was in the whole, whole family group chat. The entire family just got to see this ID with my face on it. That was not my ID. But it was your face. It was it was my face. So did, was it was it a, a friend you had uh, that lived in the corner uh, of of the dorm? I mean, that's like back way the hell back in like '96. There's a guy down the hall. Yeah, the corner guys were the gamblers. Mm-hmm. Guy at the other corner uh, had a green thumb. Okay, uh, guy further down the, the the way was the one who had the the red towel backdrop. Yeah, and had the the brightest room on Able Six because mm-hmm. that's where his camera setup was, and I never, um, I never really dove in to, to getting the fake ID because uh, there was just beer everywhere around the floor. There just was. You could go next door, and the mini fridge was was good. Didn't need to go have that that conversation. And what scared me is my cousin. Jason, this is Cousin Dino's son, he went to Colorado, and him and his buddy 
like got popped by federal agents with <laughs> no they they went to Utah to try and get a fake ID with fake birth certificates like they got nailed they got absolutely like sting operationed this was in 94 <laughs> but that is like yeah i'm i'm not even i'm just going to be patient and i'll i'll drink my uh, my homemade elk creek or i'll i'll wait my turn to go get my fish bowl i'll you know I'll just be patient. I'll, I'll worry about drinking my beer uh, in my dorm room. See, mine was easier than that. Internet, paid in Bitcoin. Oh, man. See, okay. Paid in Bitcoin. They mailed it to you, and it was, like, uh, taped to the inside of a birthday card. <laughs> <laughs> man, this is next level. I love it. Uh, Rob Zadisk is, is next. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some lines of scrimmage. We welcome in the good doctor and uh, his podcast with Travis Justice. Been going on for a number of years, the Doc Talk podcast. We say hi to Dr. Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob, how are we doing today? I'm well, a little warm, a little warmer today than I thought it was going to be. So, but I mean, that's man, it's July in Nebraska, so that's what you get. That's what you do get. Uh, we always get into a, a beer conversation at some point during the interview. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. The, the topic of fake IDs have come up, and uh, Elijah, <laughs> who you talked to uh, just moments ago, his his father got on Twitter and kind of. Well, outed him in in the process uh, about uh, Elijah suddenly one day was from Missouri, and uh, <laughs> and this this helped him navigate. I got to ask you, and you don't have to incriminate yourself, but I, I'm wondering. He made did, me incriminate myself, so you better incriminate yourself. Well, my question is: is did did guys on the football team in your era have to jack with a fake ID, or if there was a little window between uh, workouts? Could you go down to your favorite uh, water and hole and, and just get in? Is that uh, membership have its, has its privileges type deal? Oh, 
boy, you know what? Most of those places in downtown Lincoln were pretty tight on that. So, you know, if you didn't have uh, – okay, let me preface this by saying I never did have a fake ID. Me neither. But most most of those places were pretty tight on – on, on on checking stuff, so it's they didn't want to get in trouble. You always had undercover police mm-hmm. doing periodic checks as well, so you, you kind of had to play it a little bit safe. Otherwise, coach would get kicked. I uh, uh, funny story. There was a guy on the one of our kickers actually. You know what? I'm completely outing him on the radio here, but <laughs> did he, he wear uh, number forty seven? No, he did not wear 47. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> um, but one of our kickers this freshman year made a fake ID, <laughs> needed to get the little plastic coating put on it, which they would do at places like Kinko's or any other copier center. So he actually walked into Kinko's and handed over his fake ID <laughs> that he had made that he just needed to get the – that plastic laminate put on there and asked the guy to laminate it. And the guy goes, oh, okay, hold on. And he takes it goes into the back of the store and doesn't come out for several minutes. And uh, the player in question had uh, starts getting nervous, so he starts kind of hollering at the guy like, hey, come back here, give me my ID. And he said the, the, the Kinko's employee finally comes out Tells him, hey, I gotta have you wait here. I can't give you the ID back, but the police are on their way. <laughs> and so the guy panics, runs out of the Kinkos, jumps in his car, and hauls back to the dorms, thinking he's avoided a an arrest for manufacturing a fake ID. The problem is, is that he drove this bright red sports car and i don't remember if it's a trans am or an old pontiac firebird something like that but picture we'll say a bright red like 1989 trans am with a personalized license plate kicker one. Oh my god he had kicker one on the so plates he did which was pretty pretty ballsy for a freshman kicker <laughs> um but it also made him incredibly easy to track down because all the Kinko's guy had to do was look out the window and it's like, all right, bright red Trans Am, kicker one, got it. I'll just <laughs> let the police know that. So the, the guy said he got back to his dorm room, and it was probably the old Harper Shram Smith dorms, I think, gets in his dorm room, and he said it was maybe 20 minutes later. There was a knock on the door, and it was the – the Lincoln Police Department there to issue him a citation for trying to manufacture a fake ID. So was that punishable by stairs? What did, because uh, Dan Young was special teams, correct? Yeah, I can't, you know, I got to be honest. I don't remember. I, I know I know the coaching staff put him through the paces. I don't remember what the punishment was, but I know it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> I'm still... Uh, I'm still. Was this the kicker from Texas? It was. It was not Byron. Bennett. Okay, I'm just. I'm okay. So I'm. I'm zero for two. I'm zero for two. It's not Stiggy. It's not Byron Bennett. And yeah, I, it's, it's not the it's Mike Stiggy, the strongest punter in the world. <laughs> I. Uh, 
I'm I'm over then, man. I don't remember who was who was who was kicker one back in. Well, the... that's probably okay because he was not kicker one at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob Zadiska with us here, Hail Varsity Radio. So we good. We got the fake ID stuff out of the way. Let's dive into some Nebraska football. And uh, Rob, let me let me ask you this first and foremost. Uh, what what do you believe about the offensive line? What what do you believe they they can do? Um, oh, I know. I, I, well, I'm serious. I mean, I I know that's a super broad, but man, there's so many puzzle pieces that got to fit together. Yeah, bud. yeah, you know, and it's a good question, man. We've talked about this before a little bit. You know, the the, the biggest thing I have is that I man, I've got a massive amount of uncertainty. And it just and it's across the board, and, and it's gotten more uncertain here when you lose uh, Newelli with the, the the drug test. So I mean, it's like you, you kind of go across the line. You kind of felt like we had a little bit of sort of a pretty good setup here, where he had Prohask at one tackle, um, Ben Harder Corcoran at the other tackle, probably Corcoran. What it seemed like. You had Newelli at one guard. You had Trent Hickson at, at center. And, and then maybe either Ben Hart or maybe Brock Bando at the other guard mm-hmm. spot. So you, you kind of had a little bit of this lineup that you could look at and say, okay, you know, we got some known commodities here. We got some guys who, who played pretty darn well last year for, for, for good chunks of the season. Well, all of a sudden, now Teddy's coming back from a pretty bad knee injury. That's a question mark until you get him out on the field and you really see what he can do in a game situation. I, I mean, I don't care if anybody looks like a rock star during practices leading up to the first game. Until he gets out there on that field in Ireland against a defensive end from Northwestern, you're not going to know what kind of productivity he's going to have on that repaired knee and you're not going to and the other thing is is you've always got a question you got a guy who suffered a pretty bad injury how well does he come back from that in terms of just overall durability is this a guy that's going to potentially re-injure that knee is this a guy that um that, that you're going to that is going to injure the other knee there's always that durability question when you see a guy coming back from an injury like that. So that's a huge question mark. Losing Newelli was a big one. I was a huge fan of the guy. He's an absolute brawler, and I love that about him. I, I thought he was, next, next to Cam Jurgens. I thought he was the most aggressive offensive lineman last season. Actually, I thought I thought Teddy was actually pretty damn aggressive too. But um, but losing Newelli, I, I think that's a that's a pretty big loss in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so again, it goes back to who's going to step in and fill that hole. My my assumption right now is, assuming they're healthy, is that you're going to see Ben Hart and Brock Bando um, at the guard spots, unless somebody like Brant Banks steps up. Um, you got some of the transfer guys like, oh, is it Thomas from uh, Oklahoma State? Hunt, I'm sorry, Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma yeah, Anthony State. Anthony and then Williams from Northern Colorado. Yeah, 
Yeah, and in, I mean, and Williams is, I mean, he's an Omaha North kid. I remember watching him in high school, and the kid was, I thought he was an excellent prospect at the time. Mm-hmm. He, he's a huge, huge human being. Um, and if And if he can come in, has the footwork, has the aggressiveness, it, Williams is a guy that I'd love to see step in because I've watched him play in high school. And, and I really do think he's a guy that can play at this level and play very well at this level. I, I, I mean, I've watched clips of Hunter Anthony, the Oklahoma State transfer. I've watched clips of him play. He's kind of he's had some spurts where he's done really well, where he started at both tackle and guard. And so he's got the ability. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma State's a bad team. They're mm-hmm. a very good football team in the fact that he spent time starting for him. He's the kid's got to have some ability, um, but again, it's I'll be curious to see if we see those guys at one or even both those guard spots with Newelli now gone. I still think Hickson's going to be the center. I haven't really heard anything coming out of Lincoln to change my mind on that. And quite frankly, I think the kid's a little bit of an underrated football player overall in his career at Nebraska. I don't want to say there's been a knock against him because he was originally a walk-on, but sometimes that can change a coach's perception on a guy. If they're not a scholarship mm-hmm. guy, you get a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a subconscious bias that the guy couldn't be that good because he was originally a walk-on. But I think Hickson's going to do would it in fact actually be a solid center. And then it comes down to that other tackle spot with, with Corcoran, maybe Ben Hart, but it, it sounds like they've kind of liked Corcoran more so than Ben Hart once Prohaska stepped into that left tackle spot. Rob Zadisk is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Rob, there's still a lot of question marks surrounding this offensive line, but one thing I've been hearing and one thing I, I believe to be true is the fact that this offensive line uh, under Riola lost a lot of weight during spring ball with the intention of building it back up this summer. I just want to get your take on how that strikes you. If some of these guys lost 20, 30 pounds during spring ball before being built back up, what do you think that means the plan is for Riola this summer and getting into fall camp? I think he wants guys, you know, and that's the thing. I'll be curious to see how the offense looks because I think, he A, he wants guys who can move. I think he wants guys who have a little more speed and power. You don't have to be the 340-pound offensive lineman in order to succeed at this level, but you've got to have strength. You've got to have explosiveness. You do need some size, but, I mean, I thought – the two best offensive linemen on the team last year when healthy was Teddy and Cam. Mm-hmm. And Teddy was probably, I, I don't think he was much more than 300 pounds, 310 pounds maybe. Um, he, he looked like he was a power forward in basketball because the kid's like six, freaking 6'10". Six, <laughs> but it, it's... He played very aggressively, and especially taking his height into consideration, his ability to drop his level, bring his hips down close to the ground, and get himself low enough to take on interior defensive linemen, I thought was um, was amazingly impressive. 
he was a very aggressive run blocker at a weight that you you wouldn't normally think. I mean, quote unquote, only three hundred pounds or so. Normally, you think of those hardcore run blockers as kind of these. 325, 330 pound road graders. And so for Teddy to be that aggressive, aggressively effective run blocker, I thought was impressive at his weight. Cam Jurgens played, I mean, Cam really, over the course of the time that he played, he was always an effective blocker. I mean, it, it took him a year and a half to get the damn snaps down, but excluding the snap issues, his blocking ability was never in question. The guy was always a very explosive, very aggressive, very good blocker. And I thought that showed, and that's the reason he got drafted where he did. Um, so I, he, he maxed out. I, he might have been maybe 3, 305 this past year. If that, I think he kind of hovered closer around 295. But so you got a guy who, again, it's not that stereotypical 330-pound, just massive behemoth offensive lineman that you think that exists that that only exists here in the Big Ten. You see nobody smaller than that. That wasn't the case. Our our two best run blockers might have been two of the lighter guys on that line. Rob, so that- I don't think they have to have that size. Rob didn't mean to step on either, but I'm up against a hard break. Can I get you for five more minutes on the other side? Is that okay with you? Oh, heck yeah. All right. Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob, hang on with us. We'll be right back with you. Uh, it's always fun to talk O-line, get some insight from an expert and a great player at Nebraska, part of that pipeline and national champion, the pride of Lincoln East, Dr. Rob Zadiska, as uh, he's joining us here this uh, second hour. Uh, anxious to get his take on on the Nebraska identity and uh, for sure get his uh, take on how wild the West can be. So a couple more minutes with uh, Rob Zadiska coming up here on Hale Varsity Radio. Podcast uh, for us, Hale Varsity Radio. Find us and subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly. We'll take the feedback. More with uh, the uh, Husker Hall of Famer, Dr. Rob Zadiska, on the Husker O-Line. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. O-line preview, Dr. Rob Zadiska, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, All-American, and uh, the pride of Lincoln East back with us as we look at the O-line. Dr. Rob, we won't keep you too long. And, and don't forget to check out uh, Rob Zadiska's podcast with Travis Justice, the Doc Talk 
podcast, all the platforms uh, that you get your podcasts on is where you can listen and find them. You guys uh, crack a beer or two, correct, and and, and talk all sorts (laughs) of football. Yes, and it's a great dynamic because you're a Husker and old Travis is a Hawkeye, and and, uh, you you get along, and you've gotten along for years, and it's it's really cool, uh, dear friends. And so – Nebraska football with with Riola here is going to have new techniques. That's what Coach Frost has talked about. Uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, new techniques. Uh, what 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 could be the ask for this offensive line to be more effective? And uh, another part of this too. Do you have an identity in mind, Rob? What uh, what what is going to be the go to for this football team? I know Whipple loves to throw it, but the O line such a domino for run game, pass game, and we know protection was an issue a year ago. It was, and I you know, I think, one, you are going to have to have that, that pass protection step up. I think the overall thing is you're just going to need to see a lot more aggression out of this offensive line, a lot more of an attacking mindset. Now, just because you're passing the ball, pass protection does not have to be passive. Mm. And, and when we played, we were trying to beat guys up, even on pass protection. You were constantly looking for opportunities to get hits on guys. If you were the if you were the free lineman in a pass protection scheme, then you're looking you're looking down to the guy on the guard. If you're the guard, you're looking out to the guy on the tackle. You're looking to the if you're the center, you're looking at those. D linemen lined up over the guards. Do you got a chance there to take a free shot on a guy and get a hit? Decleat a guy in midair when he's jumping up to try and knock down the pass. You can be aggressive during pass protection. It does not have to be passive, and I think that's got to be a mindset change on the on the run blocking. You know, we we've been hearing about how. Riola wants to switch over to a more aggressive style of run blocking. There's kind of two schools of thought with run blocking. One is that you sort of screen off the, uh, the, the defensive line and sort of step sideways between them and the running lane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more passive. You're really not trying to push the guy off the ball. You're just trying to get between the guy and where the ball carrier is going to be with the logic that, hey, if the defender has to go through you, that's going to be the harder way to defend a play. The other school of thought is you take the defensive lineman and you're literally going to try and physically move them backwards. You're going to move the defensive lineman away from the play. You're not necessarily going to put yourself between the D lineman and the ball. You're just going to try and push them backwards. That's kind of the style we ran when I played. If you go and look at a, I mean, a couple of teams that run that style, Iowa and Wisconsin are two very good examples of that. Um, the first style tends to be the, the screening the guy off style tends to be a little bit more popular. You see a lot of NFL coaches teaching that. And it's an effective system if you've got NFL-caliber offensive linemen because you've got to have guys who can hold a position and kind of, and move with the defender. Um, and not everybody has NFL talent. That's the problem with that technique. 
I always kind of preferred the more aggressive technique. If you could move a guy backwards even six, eight, ten inches on a play, you know what? You get a little bit of movement on one play, you're going to wear that defender out. And that style, the more aggressive run blocking where you're trying to move the guy backwards, it tends to fatigue defenses more. And that's one of the things I always liked about it was that aspect. And I like watching that style more. It's a more aggressive style. You see the offensive linemen kind of getting after it a little bit. And if you got guys that are explosive, are strong, have that strength and aggression, it's a fun offense to watch. I'm hoping that's what Whipple and Raiola are going to do. And like I said, I'm fine with a guy like Whipple who wants to put the ball in the air. Hey, if Casey Thompson or Chubba uh, or any of the other quarterbacks on the roster, if they can sling it and they got time to do so, go for it. But that doesn't mean you don't have to still – that doesn't mean you can't be aggressive up front. You can still be an aggressive pass blocker. Well, I mean, I just, whenever you talk about that, that reminds me of the Big Ten as a whole, almost something like Minnesota's been doing the past couple of years. So they get that physicality up front. You can mix in the passing game when it becomes necessary. But that get six, eight inches of movement, if you only get that, but you get a, a 200-something-pound running back coming downhill, falling forward, that's three, four yards. That's Big Ten football right there. Well, it is, and I think we've even, we've seen that at Minnesota. I mean, they've had a handful of different coaches over the last decade or so here. But if you look at Minnesota, they've gone to a more kind of that, again, I hate pigeonholing one one or two teams on this, but they've gone to, well, when it's not Nebraska, but Minnesota's gone to more of that Wisconsin or Iowa-style run block. And this is going back to the Jerry Kill era, et cetera. I mean, we're going back 10, 12 years here that Minnesota's done this. And that's where you started to see Minnesota – all of a sudden, they weren't a laughing stock anymore. People are looking over there going like, that's a bunch of 300-pound bodies on those old lines at Minnesota. They're moving guys around. They're getting after it up front. And all of a sudden, they're going to bowl games. They're, they're causing fits for other teams. And all of a sudden, Minnesota's a competitive team. They're not a pushover. They're not that, they're not that instant win on, your, on, on their opponent's schedule anymore. And you can, I mean, God, I make, I make fun of, of row the boat. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, I, I, and I, and I get it. Everybody does, but I mean, you go back more than 12 years ago, Minnesota was kind of a laughing stock. They were, they were the Kansas football of the big 10. They're not anymore. And it had to do with their offensive style and kind of this desire to, Hey, we're going to have a bunch of big bodies up front. We're going to we're going to establish some power of football. Iowa's established power of football. Wisconsin they established power of football. You look at any good team have a run. They've got a power run game that works. Part of the reason Ohio State's so good is that when they need to pound you up front, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, those good SEC teams can pound you up front with huge, huge athletic offensive lines, and they can move the ball. Rob, it was a mentality you guys had, and it sounds like uh, that mentality may return with more of an uh, aggressive 
mindset to, to, to be firing forward versus, um, I don't want to say passive, but, but more of that zone scheme you were touching on. Rob, a couple of minutes. Uh, last thought, Dr. Rob Zadiska with us here, Husker Hall of Famer and uh, part of the pipeline. When, when we talk identity, uh, when push comes to shove, is it, do, you, do you worry about balance? Or do you think Whipple will want, be able to, to run the football when he has to run it? That's been an issue with Nebraska for a few years. I, I hope there's a degree of balance. Because if you become one-sided at all, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. you become a little easier to defend. If a team, and that's the thing. You don't have to run all the time, but you got to be able to run well. Yeah, and that's the bottom line: is that you have to be able to run the ball when you need to and when you want to. And so, if they pass the ball two thirds of the time, fine. It's just you got to be able to line up and effectively run it, so the opponent still has to. They can't just drop those safeties deep. They can't, mm-hmm. they can't just put a take a linebacker out and drop another defensive back in there and run nickel all day to shut down the pass. You've got to keep them a little bit honest and you've got to be able to show them that, Hey, when we want to run, we can run just fine. And that's got to be a part of that offense. And so it's, like I said, it doesn't have to be a numerical balance in terms of, Hey, 50% run 50% pass or, 60% 60% run, 40% pass, whatever. Um, but it has to be a capability balance. Your, your effectiveness at running has to be as effective as you are passing. And if you're able to do that, you're going to be fine. Well, we are close to kickoff, less than uh, 50 days, I think 45 days or so. And uh, excited for it. We'll be headed to Ireland for live shows. Excited for that. Rob Zadiska with us, uh, Husker Great. Rob, we'll uh, we'll make our way up to Omaha soon, probably for a live show at the Hale Varsity Club. And I'd love to to get you your favorite uh, frosty pint, my friend, as as a thank you for for all the times you do come on, bud. Oh heck yeah, I'm all for it. Hey, you take care, and it was great to, to spend time with you. And thanks for the insight, as always, bud. Absolutely. Hey, you guys have a great rest of the day. You too. There he is, Dr. Rob Zadiska. His podcast, of course, the Doc Talk podcast. Him and Travis Justice. Great insight on the O line, and uh, I, I love what he says. Capability. Be capable of some balance. Mm-hmm. And listen, I think just looking at Whipple's personality, the guy will no doubt want to throw the football that's what he's comfortable with but he's he's kind of a throwback i mean he wants to kind of probably beat the hell out of you you look at some of the 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 offensive lines that are that are returning around college football i know pitt lost a ton lost the bolitnikoff winner they lost their quarterback their lines ranked top five when it comes to returning talent in college football that's why they're still not a favorite, but they're still not scoffed at for the ACC coming into this 2022 season. So uh, I think him and Riola could be a, a really fun team for that Husker offense. Yeah, and it, it's all about, uh, again, does this mentality shift lead to results? I mean, you, you can preach 
aggressiveness and getting downhill in the run game and all that all you want but it comes down to do the athletes you have within the program are they actually able to pull that off and that's what it comes down to for me I mean we've seen issues in the past couple of years with offensive linemen not finishing blocks uh, just straight up missing the play mm-hmm. call and, and, and screwing up uh, either a protection or screwing up a, a run blocking play where somebody comes free uh, does a change in mentality fix all those things no but maybe with the body types that aggressive mentality will work better than that zone blocking scheme We'll get into a jock doc on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how are we doing today? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well, buddy. Yourself? Doing okay. Uh, we're blinking uh, away the month of July. and <laughs> Pretty soon it'll be football season in, in August. Uh, it's been interesting to watch what's gone on in the NBA, Dr. Ben as uh, we've got some some clarity here on Chris Middleton. And, man, he was so good for Milwaukee, but his injury really hurt the Bucks. The all-star forward underwent surgery to repair a torn ligament in that left wrist in early July. Expected to have a full recovery, return sometime near the start of the regular season. And uh, he'll be 31 here. Uh, next month, 20 points, eight rebounds a game for Frank. Make that Chris Middleton. So interested to get your thoughts here on uh, this surgery and uh, specifically the, the ligaments. We talk a lot of wrist issues, Dr. Ben Woodhead, but uh, from a basketball perspective, this is a pretty key part of the body. This is. I mean, this is similar to a shoulder injury in a pitcher, right? It's kind of how they make their money. And so um, the difficult part with the wrist and the hand is that you have a large amount of bones in the wrist and the hand. And so you also have a large amount of ligaments. And so you, there's a couple different ligaments that you can tear. Um, so depending on which one they fix, somewhat will depict how he recovers. But um, no matter which ligament it is, you're basically going in there you're repairing a ligament, basically trying to get it back down to bone and heel to bone. And whether you got to use some extra really thick stitches or sutures to get that done, you're really waiting, you know, at least six to eight weeks for that ligament to heal into bone. The wrist gets very stiff. And then you got to regain all that motion and strength back to where they can actually play basketball again. So it's, you know, this is kind of a cumbersome recovery, um, but he should have a full recovery afterwards. This is a multi-step process. We're talking Chris Middleton of the Bucks had surgery on the uh, torn ligaments in that left wrist. Uh, a jock doc Wednesday, Dr. Ben Woodhead with Nebraska Orthopedic Center as we talk recovery. And 
is, is this surgery difficult? You guys are brilliant. You're skilled. You have uh, steady hands. But is this is this well, tough? Well, yeah, you do. Is this is this tough for you guys to go in and do, or is this is this an area of the anatomy that's that's easier to navigate than others? So I would tell you no. Um, and nowadays, that orthopedics is getting very subspecialized. The likelihood um, that this is done by a truly a hand surgeon who only does hand surgery. Um, is probably what was done. So this is a subspecialist orthopedic surgeon that is used to fixing small bones, small ligaments, um, and making sure that it's perfect. And so, you know, to be truthful for somebody that doesn't do this a lot of time, yeah, I would say that it is a difficult surgery depending on the ligament that is repaired. But these specialists that only do hand surgery, this is what they do every day. And so, um, you know, for that matter, he is going to have somebody that does it that does these all the time that it's probably routine and quite simple for this surgeon. And so that's the benefit of having subspecialists today, um, which will get him back to where he's recovering sooner. It's a very predictable outcome and hopefully a hundred percent. Is there any lingering uh, after this is healed and, and Middleton's back scoring 25 a game? Is there any lingering issue, either strength or flexibility uh, tenderness, arthritis. I mean, what's what's uh, long term with having to have uh, an intervention done? What's uh, okay? You, you had a you had a bust. You had to have it fixed. Uh, you get back. You're you're going to finish your career. But uh, long term, is this an area of the body that doesn't heal as well as others? Uh, it's not necessarily an area of the body that doesn't heal as well as the others. The hard part is that when you have a torn ligament or a torn tendon is that, you know, that's kind of your native anatomy. It's what God designed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I tell people that when you repair something, it's kind of a man-made thing. And so if it tore the first time, it certainly can re-tear the second time. So that's, that's a concern. As you get people back to activity, you want to make sure that they get their motion back, but at the same time, they're getting stiff enough to where it's healing. And so it's always this happy medium where you don't want to get somebody back in rehab too soon because you don't want to, um, have the repair fail because you didn't give it adequate time to heal. And so that's the hard part with these. So that's one thing that you worry about. The other thing is certainly in something like the hand or the wrist, you certainly can get stiff because he's likely going to be immobilized to some degree. So for him to function at a hundred percent, he's going to have to get that motion back in his wrist. And so that'll take time as well. Um, so, you know, those are the two biggest things I would tell you is that a re-injury of the ligament also some stiffness and then some arthritis and stuff like that can happen longer term, but that's also a nature of just being a professional athlete. Couple of minutes left here. Dr. Ben Woodhead, a jock doc Wednesday, Nebraska orthopedic center, Chris Middleton and uh, the surgery he had uh, early this month to repair that torn ligament. Dr. Ben, let's talk about this lengthy rehab process. Surgery is done. Great. He'll heal up from that. And, and then let's talk about some of the, uh, the next steps for Middleton when it comes to rehab and uh, and getting back to full strength. What what does that process look like? Well, he's probably in the phase right now where he's going to be immobilized, allowing the repair to heal. So that's the most important phase at this point is that you really can't progress on to the rehab phase until you know for a fact that the ligament or the structure is actually healed. So once he gets past that point, which is usually, you know, four to six weeks where you're kind of really working on that repair to heal, 
then you start in the rehab phase where you're moving. You gradually get your motion back. So it's stepwise. So you get your motion. And then once you get your motion full or as close to full as possible, then you're going to start strengthening. And so I would suspect this is going to be a three to four month recovery, uh, even five month recovery where he's got his full motion, his full strength um, and clicking on all cylinders. That's really the key that you want to get him to. Dr. Ben, is there any protective items you would wear or do you see folks wearing it despite surgery, despite being cleared? It's a confidence thing. You get in the gym, you get your shot down, you, you get into traffic in the paint and get to the rim or you step back and hit that first or second three. All of that's going to come with just getting out there and doing your thing. But from a I guess from a from a, a body armor standpoint, is there yeah. something that that guys would maybe turn to just uh, either for peace of mind or just protection of that region? Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, if you're not a basketball player, not somebody using your wrist, you put yourself in a wrist brace that can protect the repair, you know, and so you're not doing any extreme motions or anything that can re-tear it however you know his whole function is based on his wrist function and movement and so you know if you put him in a brace or put him in some type of strapping device that's going to limit his motion and certainly affect his function and so i would suspect they'll do some type of taping that still gives him uh some full motion but at the same time gives him a little stability kind of a happy medium between both it's dr ben whitehead nebraska orthopedic center at jock doc wednesday as a repair for that ligament on the standout ball player for the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Middleton. Dr. Ben, you take care. We'll get, get, get in touch soon, and thanks for the time today. Thanks so much, Chris. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, and great stuff from Dr. Rob Zadiska, former Husker standout, Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart. And Elijah's got his bags packed, man, a little vacay. Can't wait. Can't wait. You are, to, uh, you are, are you out, out after this, or are you, uh, you got to do Salt Dogs tonight? No, Salt Dogs uh, are finishing up their all-star break, so we're midway through the season. The Salt Dogs just a game over 500, so... They're wrapping up uh, All-Star break, and I'll be back with the Salt Dogs. Well, let's see. We're, we're leaving Denver Sunday morning, and I'll be back in for a Salt Dogs game on Sunday night. So, so are you going to Casa Bonita? Uh, we'll see. I, you know, haven't, you, I haven't been to Casa Bonita since I was about five. I've got say, a great okay. picture of me in there. Um, <laughs> well, everybody went to Casa Bonita when they were like between the ages of five and 12. Well, did you hear it's under new ownership? No. I, I know that it was... Uh, cool at the time and they had really good enchiladas well, well get this uh the two gr- guys who created south park 
have bought Casa Bonita. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Parker and Stone, right? Yep. So they uh, they discussed <laughs> Casa Bonita so much, they decided that they were just going to go buy it. It was up for sale, uh, I think, uh, because so of good. COVID. So they bought Casa Bonita, and they are now the proud owners of Casa Bonita. I haven't stopped wow. by in a long time. Uh, we usually have a, a couple classic spots that we hit in Denver whenever we're there. So uh, we'll see about those. Uh, other than that, just going to go. My dad has been working on his Model A in the garage, his old Ford Model A. That's so awesome. There's a specialty Model A store in Denver he wants to go hit. And uh, yeah, other than that, just going to enjoy some relaxation. I got that book for my trip, as we were talking about earlier with the library card. So going to get some reading done, go uh, catch the drag races, and uh, we'll be back Sunday. So the library card turned into the fa- fake ID story uh, from you, uh, how I had relatives that scared me straight. Mm. And and then Dr. Rob with the uh, nameless kicker for Nebraska that, that <laughs> went to Kinko's <laughs> and had the uh, the uh, the late 80s model sports car. I, I can't imagine life before the Internet. Kicker one. <laughs> <laughs> and the Internet just made that so much easier. They even sent me two just in case you lost one or got one taken. Uh, see, and for you to like get it as a... Uh, a fake birthday card bought that is that is some planning with mm-hmm. bit, buy, spending it uh you, you bought it with a bitcoin you bought it with the bitcoins so they can't track you and it was just like a, a, a portion of one and then uh, yeah they send it to you posing as a birthday card where you had to like go unwrap this whole crazy thing inside the birthday card to go find them so I will. I will not give up the name of the website I use though because then I believe that's where the felony could come into play here if, no, I'm, uh, if I'm providing information hey. out there You've been 21 for a while now. You're all right. I'm past the statute of limitations. <laughs> it's kind of the thought. Uh, that's what I'm going to go so with. I'm crossing as well. my fingers for. Uh, be sure to get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe to Hale Varsity Radio or uh, check it out on the uh, YouTube page as, as well. And great video updates annually from Brandon Vogel and Aaron Sorensen, Jacob Padilla as well. And the whole uh, Herdad family of podcasts, the live event tomorrow. Go check it out. The live Schick and Nick podcast at the Hale Varsity Club up uh, in La Vista, just off the interstate. Those guys are awesome. They do a great job. And you've been uh, fans of them for, for years. So go see them live at the uh, Hale Varsity Club tomorrow. Schick and Nick on site. We'll talk to you tomorrow with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.